You're listening to Leaders Last. Leaders Last. With your host, Dr. David Robertson. All right, welcome back to another edition of Leaders Last. I'm your host, Dr. David Robertson. Thanks so much for being a part of the program. Today we're going to talk about quick ways for job candidates to identify a terrible organization to work for and what employers, specifically leaders, can do to fix it. So let's start with the potential issues. Frankly, these are red flags. And really, applicants need to heed these warnings and simply avoid applying for organizations that engage in these types of behaviors. And if you're a leader in an organization that does this, you should really reevaluate what you're doing. It seems to me that a lot of organizational issues start in the hiring process. This is especially true regarding what an organization does or does not disclose and what they do or do not focus on. For example, too many times an organization will post a job opening without disclosing how much they're willing to pay for the position. Oddly enough, not many give this too much thought, but really they should. This is a massive red flag for candidates and a red flag that they should definitely be on the lookout for. First of all, let's just call it what it is. It's a lack of transparency. This is definitely a red flag if honesty and integrity are valued. This lack of transparency is likely indicative of the organization's culture, meaning the organization is willing to keep vital information from its employees. And an organization willing to treat a candidate this way is also willing to keep vital information about an employee's job when times get tough. It's like this, if an organization is willing to keep you in the dark at the beginning, well then you can bet your bottom dollar that they're willing to keep you in the dark throughout your employment, and more importantly, leading up to the end of it. These are the ones that shock you with walking papers while smiling at you in the hallway the day before. Here's the deal, and this is why you should avoid these organizations. Keeping information from you, even how much the organization is willing to pay for a job, makes it difficult for you to make an informed decision. In this case, it makes it really difficult to make informed decisions regarding a fair and honest salary. Choosing an organization to work for is a huge decision in your life, and here they are going out of their way to make it more difficult for you. Why would you want to work for an organization like that? Again, this is a demonstration of organizational culture, and really it demonstrates that they're okay with unequal power dynamics. Think about it. Salary negotiations are often influenced by power dynamics. And when organizations withhold salary information, they gain an unfair and unethical advantage in those negotiations. This is a clear demonstration that they're willing to take advantage of you. Of course, if you decide to play that game, then you clearly demonstrate that you're willing to take it. And that's not good. And more importantly, you won't be happy there in the long run. Here's another issue with that approach. It's a demonstration that your time and the time of the organization's people isn't all that important. Well, I often say that time is our most valuable asset. So if an organization is willing to waste your time and their people's time, then they're willing to make terrible decisions for the sake of power or to save a couple bucks, which actually costs them more in the long run. And to understand what I'm saying here, I'll use an analogy. Let's say you're the leader of a pipe fitter outfit and you need to save as much money as possible because times are getting tough. And let's say that you have a pipe fitter out on a job, 
and they report back to you that their drill has failed. Unfortunately, there aren't any backups available, so they need to run to a hardware store to pick up a replacement drill. And for some additional context, let's say that the worker gets paid, I don't know, $29 an hour. Now, there are two options for this particular drill. Option A is a hardware store that's about five minutes away from the job site, and that drill costs, let's say, $236. Option B is a hardware store that's 40 minutes away from the job site, but that drill costs $221. Now, if you think about it, the answer for what you should recommend is clear as day. But you'd be amazed at how many would choose option B without batting an eye. Which, to be clear, is a really bad decision because the cheaper drill ends up costing you significantly more. But that's my point. We can lose a lot of money by toiling around on the wrong details or objectives. And if the organization hasn't thought it through, then guess what that means about your job and overall happiness? They're chasing the wrong objectives, which ultimately means they're probably not going to reach success anytime soon, or at least until they figure that out. Now look, candidates invest a lot of time and effort in preparing applications, attending interviews, and potentially going through multiple rounds of interviews during that hiring process. And for that matter, hiring managers spin their wheels all the time talking to candidates who are just fishing. Well, why add to the problem? Without knowing the salary range up front, candidates are likely going to waste a lot of everyone's time pursuing a job that ultimately doesn't align with their salary expectations or requirements. And your hiring managers spin their wheels unnecessarily. Plus, the hiring team wastes tons of money chasing people that are ultimately going to reject the offer anyway. And why organizations still do things like this is beyond me. It's just silly. And probably the worst thing regarding this part is that candidates are more likely to feel pressured to reveal their salary history, which they most definitely shouldn't do, by the way. If you're a candidate, don't do that. I know it's tempting, but don't do it. And this is actually for the benefit of both the candidate and the organization. Of course, we could talk about that as well. Stop to think about why an organization asks a candidate for their salary information in the first place. If the organization is on the up and up, it's not necessary. Do your old jobs define where you're going? Do your old jobs account for education or training that you may have recently received? Does that question account for the broken salary promises or the struggles of a previous employer? Of course not. Or worse, imagine that a candidate got duped at their last job. Maybe because they too were an unethical employer. Well, asking for current salary and making any decisions based on that information merely perpetuates existing pay gaps. Seriously, if a candidate has been historically underpaid due to discrimination or bias or anything else, then using their current salary as a benchmark just perpetuates these inequalities and prevents them from receiving fair compensation. That's a problem. And definitely doesn't show appreciation. And really, an employer willing to engage in this is really only demonstrating that they don't care. Why would anyone want to work for an organization like that? Not that it matters. Let me just make this abundantly clear. A candidate's current salary is usually not an accurate reflection of their skills, experience, or even the value that they bring to the role that an organization is offering. 
And for that matter, an organization that focuses on current salary rather than qualifications usually only leads to underpayment. Look, their current salary is personal and sensitive. And again, it's not for the organization to know. So candidates, listen up. I want you to understand that the primary reason an organization wants your salary information is to gain negotiation leverage. Now, a secondary reason might be salary benchmarking. And this is basically when they try to use current salary information to assess the market. But here's the deal. If you were underpaid, it's not an accurate assessment, which means they're willing to rely on bad information anyway, which again is indicative of the culture. And that doesn't even matter because there are plenty of websites out there for that. And if the organization doesn't know about the internet yet, then you probably need to move on anyway. Look, we're in the age of information, and the organization doesn't have to gain this information at the expense of your well-being or career. Now, that's a lot so far. Now, that said, we have to understand that, well, at least generally speaking, most candidates don't have accurate information about the market value of the position they're applying for anyway. So without knowing the salary range offered by the organization, candidates are either going to overestimate or underestimate the worth of their skills, leading to unrealistic salary expectations or, or worse, missed opportunities. So what do you get? Well, the organization misses out on talent when the applicant blows themselves out of the water, or they take advantage of someone who doesn't know their worth. Now, which of those scenarios are good? Because I don't think either of them are. And at the end of the day, candidates just want a fair wage for the role they're trying to fill. So making them play a stacked and contorted game of the price is right is just a terrible thing to do to someone that you're really just inviting into your supposed family. It's so frustrating. Even worse is when a candidate can't type something like flexible or market competitive. They're just forced to invent a number. It's so dumb. But again, the question shouldn't even be asked in the first place. It's like buying a used car. Nobody likes it. So there you go. Organizations like this are like used car dealers. It's because this question alone helps the organization gain an unfair advantage when the candidate is forced to haggle over wage. This is really sort of jacked up because these days most people are going to cut their own throat just to get an offer. So a lot of candidates end up getting an offer below their market value. And this is in a time when inflation is crazy and the value of the dollar is eroding more by the day. Should an organization really set it up so that their workers are stressed to make ends meet or resent the organization for taking advantage of their ignorance? Yeah, I'm sure that's really going to help out with productivity. And think about what you're really asking a candidate to do here. Essentially, you're asking a candidate to make a very important decision based on incomplete information. Frankly, you're setting a dangerous precedent. How's that going to go? I mean, it really boils down to mismatched expectations. But the funny thing is how many qualified candidates are flat out being overlooked due to ambiguous or misaligned salary expectations, and this is on both the low and high end. Now, some might argue that this is an HR issue and not truly a leadership issue. Well, I disagree. This is most definitely a leadership issue. The leader directs the organization's culture. They're the ones that set the tone. And they're the ones that allow this type of nonsense to continue. Leaders can set a positive example for the organization by displaying integrity, ethical behavior, and professionalism. These wage-associated games don't do that. 
And as far as I'm concerned, if leaders want to see certain standards within their organization, then they should adhere to the same standards they expect from their employees. Organizational culture is often reflective of a leader's demonstration, and wage-related games demonstrate that the leader is either inept, out-of-date, unethical, or worse, ignorant of what's going on with such an important process. And on a similar note, organizations are supposed to be comprised of teams. In a way, teams are a lot like family. Of course, this also means that we should demonstrate a level of appreciation and recognition for the value that our teammates bring to the table. But this starts with the hiring process. Frankly, these wage games demonstrate the opposite of appreciation and recognition for quality talent. Which, think about that. Think about the people who give in to this kind of nonsense. What does that say about them? How successful could this organization truly be when it's comprised of subservient pushovers? And for that matter, how much respect is the leadership team going to show this candidate knowing full well that this person allowed the organization to take advantage of them? Respect is reflective, but it's pretty hard to respect someone who doesn't respect themselves. And the cause and effect is significant. There are several elements of this dynamic that contribute to fear in the organization. Organizational leaders that are more interested in being the boss often have teams comprised of people who fear losing their job. So think about how much real information is being kept from the leadership team because of an employer's fear over what the truth would mean for their job, their meager salary, or their career. Leaders are responsible for promoting fairness and equality within their organizations. Failing to disclose the salary information of the position or asking invasive questions about current or expected pay really just perpetuates inequality and leads to a discriminatory hiring process. And I mentioned this before, but leaders should prioritize building trust with candidates and employees. If you want real information to make solid decisions, employees need to know that you're someone interested in integrity and truth. Well, by not being transparent about compensation, leaders erode trust before the candidate even gets started. And what these leaders really demonstrate is a culture of secrecy, which not only negatively impacts the organization's reputation, but it also demonstrates an organizational philosophy via a leads-by-example sort of thing. So guess what you're really going to get if the candidate does the unthinkable and actually joins the organization? And speaking of bad decisions, let's talk about the numerous missed opportunities for talent acquisition. You know, in my life, I can't tell you how many jobs that I've taken off my list of job possibilities simply because of these practices. And that's sort of the lesson. When organizations don't disclose salary information, they're risking missing out on highly qualified candidates who are likely going to be deterred from playing these petty games. And on that note, when an organization plays these games, let's just be honest. The, the, the top talent that you seek, first of all, isn't going to take the job, but they're going to step away with a solid perception of your organization. Your organization begins to gain a reputation from highly credible people. That's not the type of reputation an organization wants. It's simple. A lack of transparency in salary practices harms an organization's reputation and employer brand. Candidates want to work for organizations that prioritize fairness and transparency in their compensation practices. So what can leaders do? Well, first of all, stop it before it starts. Stop asking candidates what they expect to get paid for the job. 
stop playing games. Post a reasonable pay for the job. If someone applies for that job, you shouldn't have to ask about pay because you should have already posted what you're willing to pay for it. If they've applied, you already know that they want to work there, and you'll know that the money you're offering is acceptable. Because if it wasn't, they probably wouldn't have applied. Plus, it makes you look decisive rather than wishy-washy. Collectively, doing it this way makes everything so much easier. Best of all, you look great. And second, stop asking about a candidate's current or previous pay. First of all, that's none of your business. And second, it has zero to do with the job they're currently seeking. Are they qualified or not? Qualifications have nothing to do with the current or previous wage. Their qualifications should be evidenced by their resume. And on that note, let me provide this little side note. Your organization really needs to evaluate candidates based on the substance of their resume, not the visual appeal or the candidate's wordsmithing abilities. If a hiring manager is more impressed by the aesthetics of, of a resume rather than the candidate's skills and abilities regarding the job itself, it's probably time to reevaluate the priorities in the hiring process and the people who oversee it. Anyway, the point is that you're either interested or you're not. If you're interested based on the resume, and because the money is pretty much off the table, all you really need to do is decide whether you want to interview them or not. So let's talk about the interview for a second. There's really only a few things that should be discussed in the interview. Introductions, of course. In this part of the process, you're trying to get a sense of their communication style and their ability to be personable. Of course, you definitely want to talk about a candidate's work experience. You can talk about their previous roles and responsibilities if you want, but really, you want to focus in on the acquired skills. Ideally, you're looking to gain insight into their willingness to learn, the creativity regarding the application of those skills, and their problem-solving abilities. Now, somewhat associated with that, it's usually a good idea to allow the candidate to explain how their skills and qualifications fit the job that they've applied for. And it's the hiring manager's job to assess whether that candidate has a solid understanding of the job, along with their confidence to achieve it using the skills that they have. And by the way, for the love of leadership, avoid pseudoscientific behavior questionnaires like MBTI. These things are worthless and unreliable. In fact, they're just an expensive waste of time, and numerous psychologists and leaderologists have vocalized those concerns for years. And that's probably also a warning to applicants. Of course, another part that leaders often mess up is the cultural fit and values part. Just remember that you're not looking for a fit regarding traits and characteristics. If you choose candidates based on traits and characteristics, you're setting yourself up for organizational stagnation or failure. Your best fit should be focused around merit of thought and problem-solving abilities. Do these candidates have the required skills? Are they intelligent and creative? And can they work with others to solve problems? That's what you want. Or better yet, can they be creative with the information that they have or the tools and ideas provided to them? And arguably the most important, you want to ensure the candidate is vision-focused. However, this also means that you have to disclose what the vision is in the job posting and probably on your website. In fact, that should be on every job posting you ever post. But ironically enough, there are a ton of organizations that don't even have a vision. They have a mission, but no vision. Well, great. 
They have a vehicle, but no destination. They're just going to go around and around and around, measuring progress based on outdated or irrelevant metrics. Cool. What is your destination? What does success look like when you get there? This is important to know. Where is the organization wanting to go? And more importantly, how does this position or the person filling it, how, how does that strategically align with the vision? If an organization can answer these questions and they're transparent with the pay and expectations, you probably have yourself a great company in front of you. From an organizational standpoint, if, if you have these lined out, then you simply have to ask the candidate if they're on board with the vision, and then you try to assess how excited they are about being a part of it. And candidates, that's a clue for you. Be vision-focused. Know the organization's vision, understand it, and understand to the best of your ability how you would fit into that vision. And if you don't know, that's one of the interview questions. How does this position strategically align with the vision? Of course, we could talk about motivation and career goals for a second. You want to answer any questions from the candidate, sure up the details of benefits and things of that nature, sure. But generally speaking, that's, that's really about it. It doesn't have to be hard. And while it's not overly hard, you'll notice there was no emphasis on money. That's because money was discussed in the posting. The vision was established in the posting. There are no games being played in the posting. And you look like a fantastic employer who is decisive and really more interested in reaching goals than you are about power or throwing your weight around like it's 1913 or something. Now, let's say you stopped the games and you landed some quality talent. Well, here's what you do next. After the new hire is acclimated, you provide growth and development opportunities and encourage ongoing learning and adaptability. Remember that the number one reason quality talent stays with an organization is personal development opportunities. And frankly, I can't think of a better way to ensure that you have an organization filled with professional talent. Not only that, but a fantastic culture and a clear demonstration of your appreciation for their efforts, which also benefits the organization. Remember that supporting employees in their career goals enhances engagement and retention. And this, these are vital for productivity. Plus, it saves you a lot of money while also ensuring solid teams and better outcomes. Or you can ignore what I'm saying. That's fine, too. But I'll say this. It is your strategic advantage if you adhere to these ideas because a lot of organizations out there are stuck in the early 1900s adhering to outdated practices and so on and so forth. And I want you to keep in mind that over 61% of organizations don't even offer development programs to their people. And by the way, this costs, on average, 7% or more of total annual sales when such efforts are ignored. Of course, the game players will always ask, well, what if we spend all the money on training and development and then these people leave the organization? It's a good question, but the answer is always the same. What happens if you neglect development and training for your people and they stay? Friends, hit the like button and share this episode. I would appreciate it. That does it for me. Until next time, take care.